Good morning again, everyone. It's good to have you here. Last week we launched a new series called Be Still, Slowing Down in a Busy World. And with the holiday season upon us, some people would say this is the busiest time of the year. Family gatherings and travel and shopping and holiday parties all sound really good, but they tend to get us out of our routine. They tend to make us even more busy as the season goes on. So what we're seeking to do during this series is to discover the importance of intentional time to be still before God. Now last week Jordan's sermon focused on be still and have faith. And in the weeks to come we will consider being still and prayer. Be still and see and be still and listen. This morning, though, we're going to look at be still and know as we look at Psalm 46. Hear now the word of God. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake, at its swelling pride, Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. His, he raised his voice. The earth melted the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. Behold, come, behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolation in the earth, who makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and he cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. For the choir director, a psalm of the songs, sons of Korah. That finishes the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Now, the book of Psalms is a collection of God-inspired songs that teach us how to praise, complain, and lament before God. The Psalms were written in a style known as Hebrew poetry. And Hebrew poetry is a distinct form of literature because it focuses on matching ideas instead of matching sounds. The Hebrew poets paint a mental picture, creating a verbal image to confront the reader. If you get away from your need to hear rhythm and rhyme, the, re the reader can really grow in appreciation for Hebrew poetry. Hebrew poets were wordsmiths. Hebrew poets were thought Smiths. 
They use words to paint on the canvas of con contrasting ideas. Now, Psalms 46 is known as a Zion Psalm. And it was written to honor God's presence amongst his people. Zion in the Bible is the city of God where God's people enjoy the presence of God. So Zion Psalms celebrate God's presence dwelling with his people. The fact that God dwells with his people is noted throughout Psalms 46. Verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. Verse 5, God is in her midst. Verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. And again in verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us. God dwells with his people. Now, the author of this psalm, Psalm 46, is unknown, and it's very, very unlikely that it was David. Now, some scholars suggest that Psalms 46 was written and sung in the episode of Scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, when Judah was surrounded by foreign armies, and King Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord, and the Levites from the sons of Koronites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a very loud voice. So many scholars believe what they sang on that day was Psalm 46. Now, John Calvin relates John, uh, Psalm 46 to a time when the army of the Assyrians had surrounded King Hosea of Judah, and it looked like it was just going to be a matter of time before the whole city would fall. Psalms 46 inspired the great reformer Martin Luther to write his triumphant hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Psalms 46 has been a resource for the people of God throughout the ages. For it issues a call for God's people to be still and to know that God dwells with his people. Now, Psalms 46 is divided into three sections. The first section describes the coming chaos. The second section describes this cosmic comfort of God. And then the third section describes the call to come. So let's first consider the, the coming chaos. We see that the psalmist in this first section describes a state of complete confusion and disorder. Starts in verse 2, the second part of verse 2. Though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake with its swelling pride. So the psalmist here is describing chaos in the highest order. Chaos where the earth ceases to exist the way we know it where mountains actually slip into the heart of the sea, where the waters roar and foam with uncontrollable rage. And the most stable and majestic thing that we know within this created world, mountains, quake and swell 
until they explode into dust particles scattered all over the earth. Chaos. Now remember I told you that Hebrew poets, they paint this mental picture, creating a, a verbal image that confronts the reader. And here in Psalms 46, we, it, it's not to, to important to know exactly who the psalm is talking about or what the psalmist is talk, referring to, but because all of God's fa people will face chaos in their lives. This type of chaos that's described here is a chaos where the world as we know it seems to disappear. This is the type of chaos that comes through a divorce, the type of chaos that happens through an untimely death. It's a type of chaos that comes about upon us when hurricanes and tornadoes and floods devastates our home and our property and our community. This type of chaos described here is where our world is turned upside down and inside out. It's the type of chaos that comes when your child slowly slips into addiction or when your parents slowly slip into dementia or poor health. It's the type of chaos that comes when the stability of our jobs seem to be on the verge of collapse. It's the type of chaos that when our stability of our health is shaken because of a bad diagnosis. It's when these enemies of faith, they surround us seeking to wage war against our souls. And what the psalmist is calling us to is to remember that God is our refuge and strength, the, a very present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear. Amen? Though the Alps and the Andes may tremble and the Rockies crumble into dust, the child of God can be still and know that God is our refuge and our strength, the, a very present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear. Though the, the oceans may pound their relentless waves against the shores of our heart, the child of God can be still and know that God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear. Amen? The world as we know it may seem to disappear, but we can be still and know that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble, therefore we the people of God will not fear. We can be still and know because we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of power will be of God and not of ourselves. For certainly we are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed but not despairing. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Why? So that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. Amen? So the first section ends 
with this word, Selah. Which means to pause, take a break, rest. Now many believe that Selah is a musical instruction, like if you were reading a, a chart on a musical chart where you'd have a rest. But I really do believe it has a deeper meaning than that. It's, it's literary, it's not musical. I think it is God instructing us to pause, to take a break, to rest. I think Selah is telling us to stop and think about what has just been said. And in this case, we should pause and remember that the child of God faces chaos. But the Lord is with us. He is our refuge and strength, our abundantly available help in time of need. Sila. Think about it. Take a break. Just stop for a moment. Let us sink in. After creating this verbal image of chaos, this assault against our faith, the, the psalmist changes the scene and describes this cosmic comfort of God. There is a river whose streams make glad the cities of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. You talk about contrast. I mean, the world is disintegrating into nothing. In verses 1 through 3. And then you come to verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy dwelling places of the Most High. There is a river. I don't know if you know it, but Jerusalem is one of the major cities in the world that is not built upon a river or a lake or a seashore. And, of course, we all know that water is essential for any civilization to survive. Therefore, aqueducts were built to transport water into the city of Jerusalem. This water came from sources outside the city, and its arrival made the citizens of Jerusalem very happy. There is a river whose streams make glad the cities of God, the city of God. See how the psalmist is using the, aqued, the aqueducts as an analogy of the refreshment that the presence of God brings to the citizens of the city of God. God's presence is like a river whose streams make glad the city of God. His presence comes from an outside source and upon its arrival to us, makes us glad. I really believe that the child of God has to come to the point where they say, as the psalmist did in Psalm 63, My soul thirsts for you, O God. As one living in a dry and weary land. You might seek refreshment from this world, but your thirst will never be quenched. 
You have to come to a point where you say there is a river that streams from the presence of God and that's the only thing that's going to satisfy my thirst. It's the only thing. Jesus promised that amongst us there would be streams of living water in us. That's God's presence that makes us glad. And to, to make the, God, the, the point of God's comfort even stronger, the psalmist goes on in this sex, second section and writes, God is in the midst of her. That is, the city. That is, the citizens of Zion. They will not be moved. God will help them when morning dawns. Now, stating that God is in the midst of the city emphasizes God's ongoing presence amongst his people. He's in the city with us. By stating that they will not be moved, it's underscoring God's stabilizing influences upon the affairs of his people. They shall not be moved because God is with them. And by saying that God will help them when morning dawns, underscores the idea that we all will go through periods of darkness. But God will always penetrate that darkness with his marvelous light. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassions never fail, for they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen? You see, the child of God can be still and know that weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Brothers and sisters, each one of us will go through dark nights, even periods of darkness, but we will be still and know that God is with us. Even though the nations might be in uproar and the kingdoms of this world may totter, the people of God can be still to know that our God, our God, is the one in control. Because when he raises his voice, the psalmist tells us in verse 6, the earth melts. As Jesus taught us, heaven and earth may pass away, but God's word will never pass away. The nations might be in uproar and the people might devise vain things, but he who sits in heaven laughs, the psalmist tells us, because he has installed his king, our Lord Jesus Christ, in Zion, the city of God. And because of that, the people of God can be still and know that the Lord of hosts is with us. The second section closes. Just take a minute. Wait. Take a pause. Think about what's been said before you move on. I know we're in a fast-paced world, but we ain't got nowhere to go right now. And in this case, we pause and remember that God always provides a stream of refreshment for his people. God's presence always dwells amongst them. And because of that, we will not be moved. Just let it sink in.
Now, after creating this verbal image of God's comfort, the psalmist issues a call to come. A call to come and behold the strength of our God. Begins in verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has what desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bowl and he cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. The psalmist summons the people of God to come. Come and behold the works of the Lord. He reminds them of God's strength on their behalf. He reminds them that he destroys those who seek to destroy us, that he lays in desolation those who seek to harm us. He reminds us that God has put all things in subjection under the feet of Christ and has given Christ authority over all things in heaven and on earth. Christ has conquered all of his and our enemies. Amen? Therefore, brothers and sisters, there's no disease, there's no addiction, there's no demon, there's no bad habit, there's no fault, there's no vice, no weakness that Christ can't overcome. All things have been put under his feet. And as the psalmist reminds us, he makes wars to cease, having triumphed over them by the cross. He disarms the enemy by breaking the bow and Cutting the spear in two, he extinguishes all the flaming darts of the evil one. He burns the chariots with fire because no weapon that is formed against us will prosper. Somebody give me an amen up in here. The strength of the Lord should be fully in our minds. As the psalmist calls us to rest in God's presence... Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. Be still. Sit down. Take a break. Take just a moment, will you? And know that the Lord is God. Know that he will be exalted amongst the nations. Know that he will be exalted in the earth. No matter how much chaos you think there is, no matter how much darkness you're experiencing, no matter how many are waging war against you, our God will be exalted amongst his people. We must embrace his sovereignty. We must embrace his deity. We, we, we need to know that he is our refuge in the storm. We need to know that he is our strength in the midst of chaos. Uh, chaos. We need to know that he is a constant source of refreshment. We need to know that through him we will not be moved. We need to know that he is with us. We need to know that in this world we will have tribulation, but we need to take courage because Jesus Christ, our Savior, has overcome the world. We need to know that the Lord has given us a crown of beauty instead of ashes, an oil of joy instead of mournings. He's given us a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. We need to know that the Lord will do this. 
So that we would be called the oaks of righteousness, a planting for the Lord to display His splendor to the world. Selah. Just take a break. Sink it in. The greatness of our God. As I conclude this morning, I want to draw your attention to two things. First of all, I want to point out two verses that I haven't commented on this morning. In verse 7b and the last part of verse 11 reads, The God of Jacob is our stronghold. (laughs) God's got such a sense of humor, man. It's, it's, anytime you see Jacob mentioned in Scripture, you, you just need to really, 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 really take comfort in God's forgiveness and His grace. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. The, Jacob's name means supplanter, deceiver. He's probably the world's greatest manipulator, Jacob. Went against his twin brother, connived together with his mom, lied to his dad, and that's just the beginning. He does it over and over and over and over and over. You can read all about it in the book of Genesis. That's how Jacob lived his life until... The Lord got a hold of him. Even though Jacob was totally undeserving, God would not let him go. (laughs) And here in Psalms 46, we are told twice, the God of Jacob is our stronghold. What's the point? Our strength isn't because we are strong. But it's because God is. Jacob was a weak individual, always thinking how he could deceive or connive or manipulate things so that he could get ahead. But God wouldn't let him go. The Lord pursued him until Jacob surrendered to the grace of God. Jacob came to the point where he surrendered his weakness for God's strength. You hear what I just said? Jacob came to the point where he surrendered his weakness for God's strength. What a bargain. I surrender my weakness to get God's strength? That's a great deal, man. And that's what God wants to do for each one of us. God desires for us to surrender our weakness for his strength. He knows we are weak just like he knew Jacob was weak. But the Lord has chosen the weak things in this world to shame the strong. The Lord desires for you to confess, the Lord is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him. This is Jacob's God. And I will exalt him. The God of Jacob 
that takes a manipulator like me and calls him a child of God, that God is my stronghold. Lastly, I want you to notice the choir director that the psalmist chose to sing this psalm was the sons of Korah. It says at the end, for the choir director, a psalm of the, song of the sons of Korah. Now, the Bible tells us that Korah's ancestors had rebelled against Moses and against God. And because of this rebellion, God judged them very, very harshly. It tells us that on one day, 250 people died because of this rebellion that was led by the patriarch Korah. But the Bible tells us that the sons of Korah, that is the descendants of Korah, were spared from this punishment. So what we find is by the time that some of the Psalms are written, the descendants of Korah had become one of the great choirs that sang praises to God in temple worship. Of all the, all the Psalms, 11 of them are attributed to the sons of Korah. To sing. These beautiful psalms express a spirit of great gratitude and humility to an awesome and mighty God. They express longing for God and a deep devotion. The sons of Korah, as they sang in temple worship, sang lyrics such as, As a deer pants for a water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. The sons of Korah, as they sang in the temple choir, would sing verses like, Oh, how lovely are your dwelling places, O God. And here in our text today, they would sing the chorus, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. So one wonders, right, if the sons of Korah as they sang Psalm 46 in that temple choir, if they remembered their rebellious heritage, that they, they come from a bad pedigree. They are always labeled as the sons of Korah, the one who rebelled against God and Moses. I wonder if they remembered their ancestor who had perish for his pride and for his rebellion. And maybe today you're here and you come from a rebellious past. Your pedigree is not really all that good either, especially when it comes to spiritual things. And you're thinking, there's no way that God wants me to sing a song for him. And you're wrong. He does. Just like the sons of Korah, God has raised you up to sing praises to his holy name, to focus in on his presence in your life. God desires for each one of us to sing songs of redemption and renewal that flow out of a heart of humility as we remember the fallen state of our rebellion and how he, by his grace, has raised us up with Christ and seated us with Christ in heavenly places. What a great God. 
Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. Amen? He has forgiven our transgressions. He remembers our sin no more. As far as the east is from the, the west, is so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Although we were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, yet he has now reconciled us with Christ so that we would sing praises to the glory of his grace. God desires for you to be still and know that he is your refuge and your strength. He desires that you would draw upon his resources of grace. There is a river. He desires that you would sing praises to this holy God. Even more so because we are descendants of Jacob. We're deceivers. We should sing praises to our God because we are the sons of Korah. Rebels against God. But God desires for us today to be still and to know that he is our God. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we come to you with a heart of thanksgiving that you could take deceivers such as us, rebels such as us, those who are hostile against you, and hunt us down, pursue us with your love, and capture us by your grace, just like you did, Jacob. And you can take us, even though we have a shaky past, and you can put us in the midst of your congregation to sing your praises, just like the sons of Korah. Lord, we come to you today. Some of us are experiencing chaos even in our lives right now. And Lord, I pray that you would make yourself known to them. And Lord, when each of us go through times of darkness, help us to realize that our God is with us. Weeping may last for the night, but joy will always come in the morning. Lord, we come to you today asking for your comfort upon our souls. Lord, we come to you now with songs of praise and thanksgiving for the greatness of your grace that you've given to us through Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.